Blessed are those who are blessed against you because of me. There's nothing special about the fact that there are eight Beatitudes. Uh, other than that one builds upon the other and the second half uh, relate to the first half. But eight attitudes is not special. These are, these are characteristics of a Christian. They're not natural for anyone. They're not, not something that, that, well, like this person is, is this way or this person is this way. No, these are what the Holy Spirit of God develops in us and some of us are further along in our journey than others. Because the more we surrender to Christ, the more He makes us like Jesus. The second half, because we did the first half last week, we'll do a summary throughout the sermon, okay? So you see how they relate. The, the fifth of the Beatitudes is, Blessed are the merciful. What? Well, the International Bible Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, Mercy is the kindly ministry of love for the relief of the suffering. Martin Lord Jones, who's written that, that great book, another Bible commentator said, well, it, it's really love in action. And here's how we see it, see it in action. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Because penny, excuse me, mercy acts upon those who don't deserve it. And we definitely didn't deserve Christ dying for us on the cross. To be merciful is to see and deal with man's misery. And the greatest problem, the greatest, the greatest uh, need that man has is to remedy his situation of being separated from God. And so because of the Holy Spirit's work in my life, I can have compassion on someone who is separated from God I was poor in spirit, and we saw that poor in spirit means those that, that are broken because of their sin. We realize that, that before God, we are spiritually bankrupt. We're not just poor, we're spiritually bankrupt, and there's nothing we can do about eternal life on our own. And so we cast ourselves upon the mercy of God. And when we see other people in the same condition that we were in, we have mercy upon them, and we want to do something for them. And so what can we do for the lost? Well, first we can pray for them. You say, just pray? No, prayer is a great thing. As we stand before God and intercede for them and say, Lord, bring them into Your kingdom. But we can't just leave it at praying for them. We need to share with the Gospel with them. We need to tell them what they need. We need to tell them about... Jesus, we realize we too were just like they were. We'll have compassion. We'll have mercy for them. And we want to share the Gospel. Blessed are the merciful. Well, then the next one, the, 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 the sixth beatitude, is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now that word see means more than just to look out and see something. It means to perceive, to have a relationship with with. They get to experience God. Because they're pure in heart. Now a lot of the Bible deals with the heart of man. 1 Samuel 16.7 says, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 21.2 says, All a man's ways seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. 
means include your emotions, but also means your intellect and your will. And so, and Jesus said that sin begins in the heart. Matthew five twenty eight says, "Everyone who looks at a woman lusts for her." Mark seven twenty one says, "For from within, out of the heart of men proceed the evil thoughts." fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. Luke 6.45 says, The good man out of the good treasure of, of his heart brings forth what's good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Our condition is so grave, the Bible says that we need a a new heart. In fact, in Jeremiah, God says, I will give a heart, excuse me, I will give them a heart to know me. And in Ezekiel 36, 26, moreover, I will give you a new heart a heart that's cleansed, a mind and emotions that are cleansed. It also means to be without hypocrisy or to be single-minded. Danish theologian Søren Kierkegaard said, purity of heart is to will one thing, to be totally surrendered to God's plan and God's will. That's to be pure in heart. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 19, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The mourn our sins and the sins And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. And the promise is it. The promise is The pure in heart shall see God. God removes His his most precious fellowship. Excuse me. God brings His most fellowship to those who are pure, who are unmixed in their devotion to Him and hate the other or hold to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in anything else. The seventh beatitude is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, the, this beatitude is related to the, to the third beatitude, which says, blessed are the meek. Remember, meek doesn't mean to be weak. It doesn't mean to be willy-nilly. It means to be strength under the control of the Spirit of God. We saw that illustration of, of a wild stallion that has been caught and, and, and tamed to be able to ride. He's still strong. He's still able to run and, and to do all the other things, but he's strengthened by as I was thinking about this this morning, feel this desire to dominate, to take over, to rule. But the Bible says those that will inherit the earth are those who are meek. And then I remember that great verse, and you'll remember it. God says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. We can only be peacemakers. Peacemakers are easy because of the society we live in. It's characterized by conflict. In fact, man has been in enmity with God since the time of Adam and Eve. All the way back to 
the beginning of history. And being with the conflict with their sons, man has been in conflict with each other since then. Now, I don't know the numbers now, but in 1968, a newspaper I've hoarded three wars since Christ's birth. How many wars have there been since uh, in the last 55 years? That's a lot of war. And why is there no peace in the world? There's no peace because of the opposition of Satan and the disobedience of man. And yet Jesus has called is with God. peacemakers. And the greatest peace man can have is with God. That word peace in the New Testament is, is the word Irene. We get the word Irene from it, the name Irene from it. Heard that word before. Shalom means more than an absence of war, an absence of conflict. When people say shalom, they were wishing the best for someone. They were best. International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says peace means soundness or health. And it can also mean prosperity or well-being in relation between God and man. And one old preacher said that shalom means, uh, describes the way things should be. Like an intact family and husbands and wives who love each other and children and parents who love each other and getting one's need for food and shelter met and peace with others as well as the relationship with God. And so to bring shalom or to bring peace to someone is to act on their behalf, to help move them in a direction of knowing God and, and move them in a direction of wholeness and of relationship with, with, with what God wants for them. And the greatest way we become peacemakers is when we help someone to become a child of God. And that peace that, that they have in their lives because they know God. Jesus Christ. The kind of peace that the Bible talks about can only be found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our model of peacemaking. Listen to me as I read from Philippians 2. Verse 3 begins, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Well, those, that's good advice. Hard to do on your own, but it's good advice. But then he says this, this is your example have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not, require, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient. Jesus made peace because of His death. Because we have been commanded by Jesus to go and be peacemakers. Because peacemakers are the ones who are called the sons of my dad. To be called the Delbert. My looked at me a lot when I was growing up and said, well, there's Delbert. My wife can tell you when I walked with my dad and my son would walk, and we walk side by side. We'd like th all three of us walk the same. A peacemaker, because then people will recognize that you have, have my character. One commentator put it this way. If someone is called son of God in the Jewish thought, 
He is dis- And then the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You remember what the fourth one was? The fourth beatitude was, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because they'll be filled. They'll be satisfied. They'll be persecuted because of that righteousness. Now, I remember when I was in fifth grade, I sat in the corner the whole year. That's where my desk was. One day the teacher said, okay, you've been pretty good. I'm going to move you over. I talked to everybody around me. I couldn't help myself. And when it comes to sin, that's the way we are. We can't help ourselves because we have a sin nature. And the only way we can be made righteous is if God's righteousness comes on us. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He made Him who knew no God in Him to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God took our righteousness when we were saved, excuse me, and put it on Jesus, which is nothing. He took our sin and put it on Jesus. And He took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us. That's the way we're made righteous. And And that happened at the moment you were saved. And then as you grow in Christ, as you seek after after righteousness, God begins to deal in your life and makes you more and more like Jesus, and the world can't stand it. And the more Jesus said, Jesus, the more anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then he said, if you do, you'll be persecuted. Paul wrote to, to Timothy in, in his second letter, he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Isn't that a great promise? Some of you may be saying, hey, wait a minute. I like those words when Jesus said that, that those that come to me will have eternal and abundant life. I like that. I signed up for heaven. I signed up for God's blessings. I don't want to be persecuted. But Jesus promised heaven and eternal life and abundant life and persecution. Jesus said in John 16, These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted, and for that you're blessed. You're filled with joy, not based upon your circumstances. And how do we we respond? Jesus said, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Oh, that's not easy. Depends on where you keep your eyes focused, though. Do you keep your eyes focused on Jesus or on the persecution? Do you keep your eyes on Jesus or what's going on all around you? Love your enemies. And do good to those who hate you. Tell you what, bless those who curse you. Tell you what, in my own power, I can't do that. In my own power, sometimes I want to just You know, you've been there. But as we submit to the Lord, 
and He lives in us. That's how when, when Jesus says, when someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the left cheek also. Because we've been controlled by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, this is the only beatitude with, with a double promise is, blessed are you, blessed are you. You know, when, when something's said twice, it's to emphasize it. So, just as a quick review, Jesus said, your sin and, and what it cost Christ for your sin. You're blessed if you're meek and controlled by the Spirit of God. You're blessed when you seek righteousness. You're blessed when you're merciful. You're blessed when you're pure in heart. You're blessed when you're a peacemaker. You're blessed when you're persecuted. Why would we want to live that kind of life? Well, Jesus ended the greatest sermon ever preached with these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We lived in Brazil, and, and I saw a lot of guy cool things in Brazil. Built on sand. How do they, how do, they do that? Well, what they built one of those... They take this machine and they drive those girders down all the way to bedrock. And we had this banging going on forever as they were driving those girders down, all the way down. Because then that house, that building, that apartment building that was, I don't know how many stories high, 20-some stories high, could stand. The first church we planted was in the petrol to build a church on. The government had relocated the whole town from where they had, had put this huge lake, this, this uh, uh, irrigation and, and uh, lake on, on uh, the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco River system. And so they moved the city of Petrolandia, called it New Petrolandia, and they built houses for everybody. The problem was the engineers did not do the soil had no foundation. Ordinarily, when you build a house in Brazil, you dig down four or five feet and, and you put in your, your... Well, every house in that city had cracks in the walls. But the hospital that they built fell down before they finished it. That's tragic because they had no foundation. That's tragic that a city had no hospital. What's more tragic is when you build your life on the wrong things. If you build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and are faithful to live your life based upon the Word of God and Jesus' teachings and, and, and the Word is at you, and you'll stand. But if you build your life on the wrong things, no matter how good it looks on the outside, It'll cave and fall. 
What are you building your life on? Are you trusting in Christ? Is your life based upon the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, you may not be there in all these, but I'm a recognizing that I have a need of a Savior. Recognizing that because of my sin nature, there's nothing I can do on my own to gain eternal life. And then all these other beatitudes God begins to develop in your life as you surrender Him day by day by day. But you may not be there yet ready to stand up and say, Amen, bring on the persecution. But God begins to do that in your life. So that you become like some of these great heroes of the faith of old. And I can't remember his name, but he was one of our one of the martyrs of the faith was going to be burned at the stake for his faith. And as they prepared to tie him to the to the and as the going to be tames licked up his body and grew higher, he could be heard to be praying for those people around him. Do you know Jesus? Are you growing in your faith day by day? Are you becoming what Christ wants you to be? We need to surrender to Christ every day. We need to say, Lord, take my life. Do with me as you choose. Because that's the kind of life that's a blessed life. My prayer is that you'll develop your character in all of us that our lives would reflect the Beatitudes. That we would say, beginning right where we're at today, Lord, I surrender anew to You. Father, if there's anyone hearing today, whether they be in an auditorium or they watch it on Facebook, and they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They've never surrendered their life to the Lord. They've never come to a place where they cast themselves upon the mercy of Christ. I pray that today they do that. Father, may our lives bring You glory. It's in Jesus' name we need to make.